Hey yo, hey yo, I'm in the O3 at Trump, calling now, Harley and Marcus Messiah. Peace and black power, everybody. This is a guest in the house podcast. I am your co-host, one of your co-hosts, David Shanks, aka Trom Diggs. And I'm your other co-host, Mickey Hess. I don't have an AKA. I need to get one of those. Oh, you're Professor Hess, man. Professor Hess. Okay. Yeah. yeah stick with yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Man, so uh, back at it. Another back episode. Um, wanted to jump right into a conversation um, we had tabled in a previous podcast, but we were talking about the response um, particularly from corporate America, mm-hmm. and the response being to um, the Black Lives Matter movement, the protests and uprising, I would like to call it, in um, our country and worldwide, um, systemic racism, uh, police brutality, um, criminal criminalization, I hate that word, mm-hmm. Um that word's gone through a lot of forms. You know? Oh, yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure, for sure. And so, you know, we've seen the backlash or the fallout of that being that, you know, uh, all these the companies going black and issuing statements and, you know, I guess giving discounts and all kinds of ways to... I don't know. I don't know what they're doing. I I think skirt reparations. (laughs) They're trying to avoid actual reparations. I think it's a lot of, um, yeah, a lot of finessing and soothing of our anger um, by offering trinkets (laughs) and little um, meaningless gestures that I guess we're already in it. I'm telling you how I feel. Um, Yeah. You know, Meaningless gestures for the sake of marketing, image control, and brand. just uh, self-soothing, right? Yeah. It, it makes you or your organization feel better to have issued your own little statement. Do you have any, do we want to call anyone out? Do we have any specific <laughs> um, source? I loved, um, I loved the... Um, Kind of the context that um, Ropadope offered mm-hmm. um, around Apple Music and Spotify, um, even some of the big gear companies, you know, what they could be doing to show yeah. their solidarity with cutting ties with Amazon. Yeah. For example, um, paying the artists more. <laughs> providing some type of stimulus package to sure. artists and that is a response to covid and to you know kind of the racial systematic things we're talking about either one of those would have sufficed any response and you see how systemic racism makes something like covid far worse for black americans correct um any any new struggle, any new threat is just exacerbated by racism. Correct. And that sounds very, uh, it sounds very oversimplified, right? Racism makes everything worse. 
but it's sort of the design of this country going as far back as the country goes. Correct. 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 So now I'm going to kind of touch on something mm-hmm. briefly that is an example of, I guess, the right thing, mm-hmm. but I I have a problem with it. So okay. um, the major sports leagues have for the most part, open back up. There's some NCAA issues. Um, NCAA Mm. is still trying to figure it out, but the uh, NBA started the, um, as you know, the time of this recording, Uh, WNBA is back. Major league baseball started, stopped, started. There's it's up in the air. We, I don't know where we'll be at by the time this is our broadcast with the MLB. But the point is, um, what we've seen in the first couple weeks in games, we've seen a whole lot of kneeling. Everyone's kneeling. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Which is good to see, I think. Is it? <laughs> I think it's better than some kneeling. We've got the uh, the the NBA in the bubble in um, Orlando. We have the uh, Black Lives Matter painted on the court. Mm-hmm. I guess another good thing. But mm-hmm. something. Well, first, I'm a little bittersweet on the rush to getting back to sports, like the hurry to get our distractions back up and running. Right. There's a little bit of that going on for me. And then, you know, I can't at this point in time especially with this year going the way it's going. These years are all kind of up in the air for me. So I can't even at this point, remember when this Colin Kaepernick thing <laughs> became a thing. Like I have no like, reference for what, when that three, happened. Three it's gotta ago? be at least three seasons ago. Yeah. <laughs> and so when I look and I see, the entire roster and coaching staff of both teams on an NBA court kneeling three to four years later. I'm troubled by that. Because Cap's not there? Well, because of what was done to Cap. Mm -hmm. And that none of these guys kneeled when this was being done to Cap. If everyone's kneeling, does the kneeling mean anything? Hmm, okay. Is it a protest if we're all doing it? I mean, ideally, that's the most successful protest. But that's speaking in ideal terms. And the effect of it, I don't know. I mean, I like to see the solidarity. I really do. If it's not a protest, if it's encouraged and there's no punishment, (laughs) there's no risk involved. It's not actually a protest. I think risk and protest have to go some kind of hand in hand. No? Hmm. Or is it just a demonstration? (laughs) 
I mean, there's a little bit of a martyr quality to protest. Our, 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 our producer used the word statement. Yes, I say mm-hmm. statement demonstration. Hey, yeah. guys, we're going to make a statement of solidarity with I the Black it. Lives Matter movement by all of us kneeling, as opposed to, mm-hmm. wow, Colin Kaepernick is, kne- is kneeling because... He was not standing at first and then because he wanted to be right or do right by the um, veterans, he got counsel from veterans who told him mm-hmm. kneeling is more appropriate. So There's a he, tradition. Correct. So he yeah. kneeled by himself with a few others and was blackballed. Well, so I, shouldn't even way... use, I shouldn't even use that word. Yeah, Ostracized. Ostracized. And fired, fired, <laughs> and not allowed to, his, to you know, to make a livelihood from his talent. Um, no one's kneeled then. That was the protest. And the only way to fix not having kneeled then is if all these players who are going to deal kneel now would say, "We don't play till the cap plays." There's that. And how quick would that have him back on the roster? There's that, or maybe. You know, there's the one guy, Jonathan Isaacs, who's a young player for uh, the Orlando Magic. Um, in their first game, he was the only one who stood. He stood, yeah. <laughs> and that created a thing. Now, I don't, he didn't give the really any real explanation behind why he stood, other something to do with um, kneeling and wearing a Black Lives Matter t shirt doesn't necessarily support Black Lives life and then i think he went into some like christian rhetoric which are behind prayer and he prays for every man and you know that kind of stuff so he didn't give like a concrete mm-hmm. but you know i would have loved if he had said something to the effect of like well i'm protesting because everyone's kneeling so i'm standing <laughs> so that's a protest You're <laughs> that's the only a protest guy standing. now mm-hmm. exactly yeah but you know if there's it a lot of low-hanging fruit going on right there now. Is. There's a lot of like, oh, I can jump on this now because everyone's on it. But if you take that logic the other direction, then you get somebody who says, well, you know, everybody in this store has on a mask, man. Fuck that. I won't be the one guy in the store who takes his mask off. So well, I see that. And that's more contrarian mm-hmm. than... Okay, so... The kneeling says what? We now are all standing or kneeling with Cap. It means that Cap was right. And we're acknowledging that the protest was necessary. Mm -hmm. And now we're going to join in on the protest because it's been sanctioned by our leagues. Yeah. And encouraged encouraged (laughs) by our leagues. Why even do it? So basically, what does it accomplish? Why even do it? What are we? What are, What is that showing us? Mm-hmm. It's so okay it, to kneel now. You think it's more symbolic? I, I, I know it's symbolic. <laughs> that I know. I'm trying to figure out why they don't know that. So it's or not maybe exactly... they know it too. I mean, the, them be they being the players. So you I mean. wouldn't call it a form of direct action. No, not at this point. No. 
No. Yeah, I mean, if they said, you know, we're going to fine anybody who kneels $25,000, and Correct. then you kneel, maybe that's maybe that's Correct. an action. Which is what we went in before this kind of went crazy. There was that coming into this year in the NFL mm-hmm. with the, yep. hey, you know, Jay-Z um, made the infamous quote of, um, are we still doing that? Are we still mm-hmm. kneeling? Because yeah. it was because ti- it was time to move forward, is what Jay Z told us. Hmm. Um, clearly, it's not apparently because everyone's kneeling now. But and I'm sure the NFL will follow suit in some way, shape, or form. I think Roger Goodell already came out and said um, he he was wrong. He made a mistake, which is you know, you know, the typical. Sure, I was wrong. <laughs> On no second better. thought. Yeah, you know what does uh what Bill Clinton? I I really messed that up on second thought. Maybe I shouldn't have signed the crime bill. <laughs> yeah. Damn. <laughs> so is it better late than never? Um. Short answer is yes. It's mm. always better late than never, but. And this is the problem we're facing in our country right now. What is the correct corrective measurement? Like what is whatever's been done, whatever's been um, levied on the, you know, whatever weights been put on Black people and people of color in this country. When you say, I'm sorry, and you seek atonement, what is the proportional amount of reconciliation? So if you're acknowledging that, you know, you owned, you traded, you know, your, some of your, if you're, you know, one of these insurance companies, New York Life or uh, I think uh, Lloyds of London. Um, Aetna. Aetna. TI mm. is, um, TI actually wrote a letter to Lloyds of London mm. um, with specific things or measures that he would like them to take to make it right after yeah. they acknowledged that they're wrong. So in other words, if you've committed these atrocities, if I stole um, your bike years ago and you just discovered that I stole it and I say, you know what, man? You're right. I stole it. I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. Do I owe you a bike still? I'll take that bike. I'm gonna take that bike. You don't have yeah. mine. I'll take a. I'll take a new one. <laughs> sure. I'll take a voucher at a bike store. Hey, get your own bike. <laughs> How much is retail? Huh? About four. Here's a four hundred dollar gift certificate sure. at a bike shop. Go get your own bike. But I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah. No matter how carefully worded. Right. No matter how you, you recognize now it was wrong. It was a long time ago. 
we look to do better. We will do better moving forward. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I mean, what is and, that? Fix? And here's the here's this contribution to the United Negro College Fund. Mm. <laughs> here's ten thousand dollars. Yeah. Wait a minute. You don't get to tell me what makes my injustice right. I get to tell you that if you're sincere. Hey, how can I make this right, guys? I'm sorry. How can I make this right? That's what I that's what I do when I admit to any wrongdoing. I say, hey, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I, I, how can I make this right? So do you think we'd be living in a very different country if the U.S. government had made good on the 40 acres promise, the no. 40 acres and a mule post-Civil War? 100%. Yeah, we, I agree. If they didn't, give the 40 acres in a mule and just did not institute the uh, vagrancy laws and Mm. (laughs) if they just left us alone Mm -hmm. we'd be in a different space it's it seems much worse to promise it and then jerk it away so quickly than to have never promised it at all Uh, I could see that I could see that Although never promising at all is plenty bad on its own. Uh, either way. Yeah. Either way. But I mean, there is a, there is a um, double kind of thing when it's like, yeah, uh, I acknowledge that we should give you this and <laughs> we, we, we plan to, but sure. then it, but then politics got in the way and it didn't yeah. make sense to anymore. Lincoln died and we got Johnson. Yeah. 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 So do you think, is there any future Supreme court decision in favor of black Americans that would model after this recent Oklahoma decision that, that, agrees that Native American tribes own a good chunk of the state of Oklahoma. Mm. You're asking me, do I think it will ever happen? Yeah. No. That's what I thought you might say. Um, (laughs) I I, I agree. In other words, will the U.S. government secure land for African Americans in this country? Never have before. The only way that's going to happen, and that's my crusade for the time that we've been recording this podcast, Mm. the only way that's going to happen is if black people establish these power bases of economic strength Mm -hmm. enough so that when they make that proposal, it's of benefit to the government as well. Hmm. You understand what I'm saying? Yeah. I, we we have no leverage <laughs> to be able to even make that demand, hmm. and so it- we're we're back in a space of. Pleading to the moral compass of 
the American government. And how is that gone? (laughs) It's demonstrated Mm. no evidence that there is such a thing. And when black Americans have established these economic centers, what has tended to happen? Right. That part. Yeah. And that, and that goes back to what I just said to you in terms of just leave us alone. Don't even give us the 40 acres and a meal. Just leave us alone. But when we do, you know, when you do for yourself, someone comes and knocks it down. Yeah. Then it's like, uh, well, what do you want? Yeah. Yeah, I think what gets left out of that story when we read the history books a lot of times is that a, a good number of ex-slaves did actually receive acres and were living and working and building towns. And uh, it's not that they never got it. It's that it got taken away. They got kicked off. Correct. So again, it wasn't the wide swath of black Americans, but there was a good quotient of ex-slaves in the the Southeast in particular along the coast Mm -hmm. that had established communities and were, saw those communities destroyed and handed back over to the former slave owners. Yeah. 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 That happened. So much has happened. And so, yeah, you know, what this looks like to me is a final uniformed last ditch effort to rock us back to sleep. Mm-hmm. That's why we have to get sports back going now. Like we have to get it back going. Right. We've got to get you guys drafting your fantasy teams Hmm. and you know what I mean? We can't have you turning on the TV and seeing Portland every day. Hmm. We need you guys back on this BS. So we're going to paint whatever it takes. We'll paint the court. <laughs> we'll let you guys wear I am a man on the back of your jerseys. You can pick whatever the slogan. Well, you know, there'll be a a, 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 a number of choices for you to choose from. And you know, you guys just go out there and play ball, man. Hmm. So what actions out there right now strike you as as active versus symbolic? What strikes you as actually doing some good or pointing toward progress? If there's a, there's a, there's a, um, I like some of the grassroots movements, um, you know, the, my black receipts, um, a homegirl of mine from Temple has an organization called Teach for the Culture. Um, you know, my guy, Dr. Edmund, and his um, hip-hop ed movement. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I like some of the stuff. You know, it's all grassroots stuff, though. Um, from a corporate, I don't know. If that's what you were asking me, if there's any corporation. No, who, anyone. Um, well, he said no, anyone, period. Yeah, anyone. So. Yeah, yeah. I, I like some of the grassroots mm-hmm. 
things that are going on. Um, I've, and we talked about it before, have, um, and you'll see our hashtag like ally receipts, Mm -hmm. you know, but I've gotten a lot of support for uh, the people versus anti people. I've had people email the, um, subscribe to the newsletter and email and just ask, Hey, I, I had one, um, lovely white ally text me a, um, not text me, email me a picture of her lawn <laughs> and just say, Hey, I got this on my lawn. Like what else nice. can I do? You know what I mean? <laughs> like, <laughs> I know I can do more. What else can I do? And I, you know what I mean? And I, you know, I shared, you know, what I thought with her, you know what I mean? Something to the effect of, well, first of all, relax, you know what I mean? <laughs> like relax. You don't need to, you know, reverse whatever it is in a day. We're not. So take, take time with yourself and be easy on yourself. And then, you know, kind of go forth with studying and learning and sharing. Yeah. Yeah. That's all. That's all. That's all we can ask. I mean, so I think the response from a lot of, um, there's a lot of, you know, otherwise aloof, oblivious white folks who have taken some time mm-hmm. at this point with, wow, this is really our country. Yeah. And that is progress, or at least that pointing is, toward it. That is, that is, that is stepping in the right direction because you know the hope is that from that we can see more empathy and that's really what this is about right like empathy this is as action right empathy correct. is underlying action correct 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 what we what we've never seen in a mass and sustained way are white people really getting it in terms of what has occurred to the descendants of chattel slaves in this country? Like, to really have a, yo, that's not cool. <laughs> Even as simple as that, right? That's not yeah. cool. As a collective, we've never had that. And I think what's happening, what's happening, um, someone said this. Um, I can't remember, so I can't attribute it, but we all know, you know, today me, tomorrow you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, and we are in many ways, the original sin in this country. And And it's never been resolved. There's never been any real atonement, right? At all. And so, you know, this country will never be what it professes to be devoid of that ever. It'll always be a fraud of a nation until it deals with that 
So it's interesting the way you said you said we are the original sin. I mean, really, it's it's the actions of, of white folks, right? It has nothing to do with you. Oh <laughs> no, I, I didn't mean we. Yeah. I didn't. I, I I just meant yeah, yeah. You're 100 right. Yeah, the original sin is all about the white folks. What was done to us mm-hmm. is the original sin in this country. Yes, 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 yes. Thank you for that. Thank you for letting, <laughs> allowing me to clarify that. We are not original sin. No. <laughs> then you got to um, bring in J Electronica. You got to have all these. Uh, and, and, yeah. and, 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 and Nick Cannon, apparently. Oh, apparently. Oh. <laughs> so there's a, a proposal right now, Bill that Tom Cotton introduced, Senator Tom Cotton, Republican of Arkansas. Mm. He wants to ban federal funding to teach the 1619 project in school. And number one, I mean, to get white people to arrive at that empathy you talked about, education is going to get you there. A hundred percent. But he's claiming that he calls this a radical work of historical revisionism that aims to indoctrinate kids. I imagine somebody wrote that for him. Yeah. Um, Because he doesn't strike me as a guy who's in love with big words. No. But what? first off, what is the 1619 Project for folks who may not have heard of it out there? Well, the 1619 Project, and, um, you know, you can correct me. Um. At any point in time, I can't remember the um, sister from the New York Times who put it together, but it is a uh, brilliant um, journalist, I believe she is, Mm -hmm. as well, um, sanctioned by the New York Times to create a, I mean, what do you call this? It's like a curriculum. Okay. Yeah, yeah, but it was it. Its original publishing was like, you know, I don't know, is a a for for newspaper and for that kind of um, I don't know, to be presented in that form, mm-hmm. you know what I mean, was unprecedented. It has podcasts, essays, poems. Yeah. And this is just uh, entries. It's like volume. Correct. Who's, um, oh man, what is her Twitter handle? It's awesome. It's like, I don't know. It's a, it's a Ida Bay Wells. Yes. Ida Ida Bay Bay. Wells. That's That's what it is. Yeah. 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 So yeah, just a brilliant, just curated volume piece of essays and historical things and like you mm. said poetry and podcasts all around 1619 which is the um year that 20 um africans they say landed in jamestown virginia in as property mm. now why as would, ship cargo why would somebody call this historical revisionism I, because they were never taught. And <laughs> well, so it, it does literally revise history, but it corrects that's the, and that's history. the point. It's revised. It's turning his story into the story. Yeah. So, I yeah, mean, that it's, is, it's he's a correct. Welcome revision. It is revisionist. It is revisionist, but revisionist for the sake of what being accurate of being correct of telling the real story. So, you know, but if you're in the, you know, if if you're reasoning or if, if you're in the thought process of 
you guys made a big deal out of slavery and it really wasn't that bad, yeah. then yes, this would come as a shock to you. Well, you know, the history of slavery has has been revised. You know, it's been skewed. It's been manipulated. I mean, uh, W.E.B. Du Bois wrote Black Reconstruction in America. It first came out in 1935, and he was already saying, you know, the story people are telling of the end of the Civil War and the aftermath of Reconstruction just is not correct, and it leaves out the very central roles of Black Americans. Mm -hmm. And so the history he wrote, even you know, first published again in 1935, was very different and sought to revise and correct the history that had come before it. So that's, that's what historians do. I mean, the whole reason to write a new book about say the civil war, the revolutionary war is to, you know, either correct something from the past, provide like some kind of new artifacts or insight that challenges the story that's been told. The historians revise it's the nature of their work. Right. But Mickey, there's nothing wrong with, the way things are right mm. now. Okay. <laughs> so this is the story we ought to stick with. People are happy. Right. And then that mm. goes that goes back to, you know, when someone says the system is broken. Mm. And I always respond, respond to them like, no, the system is working. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, so much of this is by design. So much of this is by design. And so... What are we revising? What's wrong with the curriculum? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I'm pretty amazed sometimes, especially teaching my intro to American Studies course, which tends to have good number of sophomores and freshmen in it. Freshmen mm -hmm. in it. Um, a concept like the three fifths compromise, or you know, the special field orders from General McClellan, which led to that forty acres promise. Students are are very unfamiliar with. Yeah. And the, yeah. most of these students are coming from New Jersey, which across the state has, you know, a pretty high ranking education system. Um, certainly very well funded, at least. Does well on standardized tests. But the sense students have of slavery and what kind of a system it was is not accurate at all. At all. At all. At all. And what, and I think it's never been taught. It's never been taught in a way that allows one to see how much of a system it was, mm -hmm. you know, and how much it, what it, you know what I mean? It was just a way of life. It was the way it, it things ran. It, you know what I mean? It, it's not this. I think, you know, it's like slavery and they kidnapped Africans and they brought them here or whatever spin it is of that. But mm. when you tell it from a space of like the normalcy of the auction block, mm. you know what I mean? Like that this was life in this country. Sure. It's how it ran. It wasn't, no one was hiding and even the more recent history of lynchings, I mean, the idea that this was, uh, was like a festival. The whole town would come out, participate, a, take home a souvenir, like maybe a, an ear or a toe yeah, at the end of the night. A picnic, right? A picnic. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's, I guess, more so aligned with the auction So, block, no, so right? normal, it, it, 
it's a it's in the lexicon of our mm-hmm. you know what I mean and how many words are there that mm-hmm. we learn oh snap that has racist undertones even the term grandfathering or grandfather clause um you know you get this by virtue of it being an old standing rule yeah grandfathered um, that, in grandfathered in your grandfather was white mm-hmm. so you got to be called white <laughs> right mm-hmm. so some of our listeners may not know the origins of the word picnic that you brought up well i don't um i would say google it but mm-hmm. um it has to do with what you would traditionally consider to be a picnic now, except very much um, rooted in, you know, uh, public lynchings. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you packed a lunch. <laughs> exactly. It was right? an it was an outing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it was some high society. Let's stuff. take let's take the kids. Mm-hmm. To see, yeah. And my students are always surprised to learn that people took home body parts as souvenirs, like an ear or a toe mm. um, from the typically black men, but sometimes black women as well were lunched. Mm-hmm. Um, there's certainly several examples of that. But yeah, mm-hmm. you just like, hey, could I sneak up and grab a body part, take home, just have a little souvenir of this awesome family outing? Mm-hmm. Mm. Let us also um, mention that it didn't take much to get lynched. Uh-huh. It wasn't a capital offense we're talking about. It's not like, oh, well, they they just use the electric t- chair now, and back then they hung. No, it wasn't like this guy murdered someone, and that was the way they executed him. It was, we think you stole something. Uh-huh. There's a someone accused you of a thing. Oh yeah, that was enough. There is a site. I'm looking for it right now. I'm not going to find it probably on the spot. But there's a site that shows you a list of lynchings that took place in Kentucky Mm. over about the course of about seventy years, Mm. and it lists the reason that was given for each one. And they get as mundane as bad character. Mm. Um, Swore in front of a white woman. Mm -hmm. Um, Refused to step off the sidewalk when a white woman was approaching. Mm -hmm. Um, But think of that bad character. Mm -hmm. Right? I mean, how how minimal an offense do you have to offer someone? To be of bad character. Bad character. We just didn't like the looks of him. Yeah. Right? He just struck us as not a good dude, so we lynched him. Yeah, he didn't take his hat off. Yeah. (laughs) You know? Yeah. And I mean, I wouldn't introduce this in kindergarten necessarily. Fast fast forward, fast forward to Mm -hmm. he was 12, but Mm. (laughs) he whistled. He flinched. Mm -hmm. He whistled. He turned suddenly. It was a brush in his hand. But mm-hmm. his pants so were sagging. What are the, you know, what are the origin? You know, we, 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 the excuses haven't gotten any better. No. <laughs> and the lynchings are just as public. 
the officer feared for his safety, feared for mm-hmm. his life. Mm-hmm. 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 Even though he and was then the, and the then, only one and with then the gun. They, and then they give us the bad character. Oh, arrested for marijuana possession at 16. Uh, you know what I mean? Traffic stop, arrested with warrants into, you know, bad character. It's a bad That's guy. It. That's it. That's exactly what they're trying to prove. He probably had it coming because this is just the stuff we knew. He was no saint. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Well, I mean, he was no saint. So, you know, no matter where you go, there you are, man. Prime example, Michael Brown. That was certainly the strategy to to justify his murder at the hands of police and Trayvon, no charges. I've seen, seen that shirtless photo of Trayvon. Oh yeah, how many times? Yeah, yeah. Imagine when he took that picture, if he had any sense of how that would be used. Yeah, yeah. that's nuts. Yeah. So I mean, we come back to this question a lot of you know what can some person do? Um, You mentioned with, with your movement or your brand, the people versus the anti people, you said you had a a white ally reach out to you and say, she's got the sign in her yard. What else can she do? Mm -hmm. I think that that line is, you know, how much of your efforts are just performative or just to make yourself feel like you're doing something correct. Or just to say like, you know, I hope, Putting this sign up in front of my house lets you know a, a black person who walks by or drives by know that I'm I'm on their side. I'm one of the good ones, and that one yeah. of the good ones can really get you. I think I think I think I think where where we've gained ground is that there's now a clear kind of. I'm not on that side. Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) You know what I mean? I think that we have white people now feeling that it's necessary to double down on, hey, look, I get it. I didn't know all of this stuff was going on. Maybe I was oblivious to it, but this shit is crazy. I'm not like those people. (laughs) And for some people, it starts right there, and it's going to end right there. Yeah. That's okay. That's okay. But there's other people who are going to say, holy shit, everything that I've ever learned is bullshit. Mm-hmm. It's particularly on this topic. Not ever, no, not everything, but on this topic, I got to do work now. Mm-hmm. I've got to find alternative facts, alternative, alternative facts. opinions. <laughs> I know, right? Imagine, <laughs> imagine. This is and revisionist history. Yeah, I've got to revise my history, mm. and you know. I think my main plea, so if we're talking about what can we do, you know, so we talk about 
the people versus anti-people. I believe my job is to distribute, produce, whatever content, truth, content, truth. You know, what we do here. Um, if someone can say, hey, man, you guys should listen to that uh, ep- episode of the uh, Guests of the House podcast when they had Rope Dope on there. Or, you know, listen to this episode where they're breaking down um, kind of the education system and comparing it to, you know, hip hop or just, you know, any of the conversations we've had. Right. That is a form of work. That is a form of work. And someone who, because we come from such diverse backgrounds, I know that there are people who've entered listening to our podcast from either side mm-hmm. who learned something. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, philosophers have said going way back that you got to have the theory and the practice, right? Yes. The, that action without education is going to fall flat and that education with absolutely no action is going to fall flat. It's useless. Yeah. 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 So, right. Right. You know what I mean? Uh, those are the guys sitting somewhere in a university somewhere. The ivory cool. tower guys, right? Yeah. And Just, I worry that I'm one of those guys sometimes. Mm, no, man. No, 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 no. I, I, I'm going to keep you in the trenches. <laughs> okay. Okay. You know that's good be? to know. You stay in the trenches. But yes, this is this is the work. You know, um, we've, those of us who are really committed mm-hmm. have to, I don't feel the need to have to teach any white people anything. No. But I got to offer the alternative story, though. I got to tell the story so that it's accessible Mm -hmm. when one has your moment and wants to access something. Or I have to create spaces where that knowledge can be spread and known. So that if someone, you know, I operate in a lot of spaces as well. I'm not like, you know, stuck in one phase of, you know, in my existence. So there are people who are on the, you know, David has a job side or, you know, David is part of, you know, the parent organization that this you know what i mean there are people who i'm interacting with who aren't like black nationalists you know (laughs) and they're like hey dave like can i read something can i see those people need access to things as well so they don't have to ask me and those they are the kind of questions see... I get from some white folks, and right. I do feel I have a responsibility to educate I, white and folks. I, and I think you, I, they're your people. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, you certainly don't, but I do. I think that's that's a responsibility of any white person mm-hmm. who who has read this revisionist history mm-hmm. and sees some of the evil shit that actually went on. If, that got if from for it. no other reason than the fact that you know. Mm-hmm. That you saying it makes a difference than me saying it. Yeah, and isn't that and, crazy? 
And that isn't that crazy, but you know that. So then it becomes on you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know what I mean? And that's how you be an ally. That's mm-hmm. that's really because what it's up. We can't appeal to the moral conscious of white people. Mm-hmm. The only way that's going to be done. You would hope you would think would be with white people. And if white people step back from those opportunities, you know, if you hear somebody say something racist or, you know, kind of mock a a movement like Black Lives Matter and you say, well, you know, he just doesn't know any better. I mean, that's that's your chance. You know, Mm -hmm. you you could say something. You may find you're not going to get very far, but you might plan to see it. And We're if, in a world. Go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, yeah. Go ahead. And if you don't say something, that's just a real missed opportunity. Even if you say, you know what, I can't fucking hang out with that guy anymore. I can't believe what he said. Um, if you never circle back and say, hey, man, I'm not going to hang out with you anymore because you got some fucked up views, and here is what's fucked up about it. You're really not doing anyone any good, right? I agree. I agree. And I was going to say, you know, um, yeah, we got to get into a space where we talk about new norms. You know, everything is new norms now. The new norm has to be like, yo, that's not cool, man. That's mm. not being white, whatever that means. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like you think you if you think these tenets are what, you know, if you're a white nationalist or is it, if these are the tenets, like yo, that's not that's not being a European American. Mm-hmm. That's un- like that's un- you're something else. That's unacceptable. Yeah, it's unacceptable. You know what I mean? The same way mm-hmm. that um, you know, we should be talking to the gangbangers and getting them in order, and you know, stopping the crime in our own community and all of that. Mm-hmm. The way like we need to deal and address our own stuff is the way that you know, white folk have to create a standard of whiteness that is not accepting of that. That can't be half of our country. <laughs> yeah. And, and like, how is that half enough. of our country? That should yeah. be fringe. Mm-hmm. Whatever as, 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 as wow. With all the things that we talk about mm-hmm. that have transpired in this country, as it relates to, Indigenous people and black people. The really highly militarized militant sect of African Americans in this country is so minuscule and so fringe. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and you know, I think the same thing could be said of the very far right white nationalists. That is a fringe movement, but. They're, gets, they're the mentalities, yeah, the mentalities that create that action are embedded. That's the problem, right? <laughs> so you go around, you know, growing up as a white kid in a mostly white area or all white area. You know, you grow up thinking like, man, you know, like my uncle is not going to go and like fucking shoot anybody, but uh, you know, the things he says makes me wonder if he thinks it's cool that some people do. Right. Right. You you hear the same attitudes. They're embedded. You hear people make excuses, you know, well, I mean, 
we didn't see the whole video. You don't know what he said to the cop before he pinned him to the ground. Correct. Uh, as if that matters. We don't know what kind of pictures he has on his Instagram. What if he smoked weed one time? Um, you do hear a lot of these embed- embedded attitudes. And it's the same thing. We talked about uh, on a previous episode how, uh, or maybe even earlier this episode. <laughs> uh, Who knows anymore? Yeah, it's, it's all a blur. Uh, how a protest has to have uh, some measure of stick in your neck out. Well, Correct. in the same way to be like a a white nationalist who's really going to go out there to a march, really going to take some kind of horrible action, you have to stick your neck out. You have to take a risk. But there are plenty of people sitting at home sort of, I don't know, passively applauding these guys. They're not, and that's what we're talking about when we're saying these guys don't come back into their neighborhoods and are like, you know, who are those guys or those are those guys or mm-hmm. they're not looked upon. They just, they're cops. Mm-hmm. They're, <laughs> they're like, they operate in the world. Mm-hmm. Sure. A lot, you know, a lot of the guys, even, you know, on our end, they're, like I said, they're fringe guys. They're, mm-hmm. they don't really operate in the, re- like, regular they'll be like oh this guy was military he's kind of off he da 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 you know they're, they're, and that's typical but you know and i mean the media goes crazy when these guys pop up whenever oh, yeah. there's coverage on one of them you know it's it's nuts i mean part of the um we laughed about when we laughed and touched like we didn't touch on it but we mentioned Nick Cannon and mm-hmm. part of that thing was you know the uh, anti-defamation leagues and the you know yeah. the Jewish um organizations and leagues still kind of fighting with Farrakhan I mean he, Nick Cannon sounded like Professor Griff from 25 years ago in 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 it, right in some in some ways, in some ways, that's another topic, mm-hmm. <laughs> another <laughs> another conversation. But I mean, he was talking to Professor Griff, so that's why he was sounding yeah, like that's... Professor Griff. He was having the conversation with Professor Griff. Good point. But Good point. I guess what I was saying from their standpoint, it's just Farrakhan rhetoric, mm-hmm. and so it's just like, like you're getting spanked for being a Farrakhan parrot. Uh-huh. That's really what that was about, right? Mm-hmm. So, but I mean, aside from whatever that is about, you've heard Farrakhan speak. Sure. You may find him anti-Semitic but you don't think he's filled with hate that's an old move from the white press right I mean Malcolm X was certainly associated with hate he even predicted it at the end of the uh, autobiography right yeah you know, I, I'm telling you after I'm gone white people are going to associate me with hate yep yep now this is these people are responding to something that has been done to them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> the, or, 
On the other side, mm. what are they responding to exactly? <laughs> That's that great Angela Davis interview from the 60s where, you know, somebody asked her what what place she thinks acts of violence have in the Black Liberation Movement. And she just sort of shakes her head and says, you know, if, if you're going to ask a Black woman about violence, when you look at the history of America and, you know, the violence has flowed all from one direction. I mean, it's just an absurd question, right? It's an absurd question. And and it and it speaks to a you know speaks to all kinds of things to why that's even a question you think is okay to ask like you know why is that even on your mind like what you know do should do you think you guys should be violent yeah against people who are violent against you mm-hmm. what would you what would you know what <laughs> I mean like how how would how would I always how would you answer that question what do you think and I you know Malcolm did that a lot which was oh, great. Yeah. like what 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 say you. <laughs> I mean, I love the Angela Davis <laughs> response where she's just sort of sort of flabbergasted that they can sit there and ask her that yeah, question. It, and, you it, know, her frustration is visible, sort of this bewilderment that this question keeps coming back up is evident. It really just highlights the uh, just the silly nature of asking that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think so. I think, yeah, I mean, to put a bow on it, you know, um, I believe that the, you know, those of us who know a little history, who can articulate history and and can tell stories, whether they are creative writing or, or biographical or, you know, music or whatever, we have to keep telling the stories. and. I believe that our white allies who are tired of this shit too Mm -hmm. and want to do something, I think taking the time and really doing some research and read, it's tons of stuff, tons of material that's been written, that's been recorded, tons start somewhere Mm -hmm. and just allow yourself to learn and as you learn it will change some of how you thought and felt and you will just begin to show that naturally Mm -hmm. and then you make a little bit of an effort to maybe put someone else on it's just that simple and that that seems doable. I think so. You know, in a just very small, like first step, you don't want to stop there. Yeah. But it's less overwhelming. Like I saw this professor, Hassan Kwame Jeffries, and he asked, So what does white allyship look like? The answer is John Brown. Mm. And the person says, No, I mean, in today's context, and he says again, John Brown. <laughs> And then the person says, um, let me be more specific. What does white allyship look like in higher ed today? And he still says, John Brown. John Brown. <laughs> and I mean, it's it's a funny tweet. It makes me think, but that's a pretty lofty goal. Um, 
I don't think I'm doing it. I don't think I have reached that well, level of dedication. Yeah, and I and I and I think that you know, and I can't speak for him, but sure. you know what I mean. I, I I think that level of commitment mm-hmm. has to be established. You know what I mean? Because even what I'm speaking of, when I'm saying like, it's it has to be that these people who think this way know that they're operating on the fringe of their society, of their community. They know that it's like, I'm going against my community, but when they're just the brave ones who are, who are, who are going to take a stand in a community where everyone thinks this way, They're just the ones who are going to take a stand going back to what you said about, Hey, I wouldn't shoot someone, but I ain't necessarily mad that they did. Mm-hmm. Or I'm not going to lynch nobody, but I'll go to the picnic. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. I mean, growing up where I did in Kentucky, a lot of times there was this subtle support of things like that in the news just by way of jokes. You know, mm-hmm. it's, it's funny that, uh, this guy was dragged behind a pickup truck tied to it right. with a chain, right? right. Uh, let's let's make some jokes about it for a couple of weeks. Right. And that's sort of a, it's just like a tacit approval, right? If you can make it funny the day it happens, the day after it happens, you don't care about that person's life. Mm-hmm. And that says a lot. I mean, if you're a kid listening to adults, your teachers, your coaches, make jokes over something like that. I mean, come on, what kind of ideas do you think get in your heads? And the the truly fucked up thing is some of them probably don't even think it's that funny, honestly, when they really sit and think about it. Um, the joke can be like it, just a knee jerk reaction. Like I, I don't want to have to think about this and where yeah. I stand in relationship to yeah. it. So yeah. it's funny to me. Deflection. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. yeah. 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 No, that makes sense, man. That makes sense. That makes sense. I didn't know if you, you know, had any, um, by way of, uh, action. I didn't know if you had any points you wanted to add or make. Hmm. Before you we know, get out of here. You know, since <laughs> I capped off the last, last episode, why don't, why don't you head us out on this one? Okay, cool. Cool. I, I was prepared to do so. I just wanted to Sounds know if you good. had any, any, uh, additional <laughs> but um no i'll get yeah. right to it let's do it um let me see i'm in my 03 act truck balling now harley i'm marcus messiah garvey pan-africanist black nationalist rapper slash activist passionate when he spit pacifist never straight to your face with it go ahead and play with it lace wigs no racism civilized type to crack a bottle with you sit down and poly with you prefer a thick hood chick over a model figure digger many me mcs want to mimic me with no delivery the epitome of deficiency they industry lyrically define me divinity they envy me my energy roll like it's ten of me fans are finicky yeah stop trying to please them who need them. Oh, I do. I gotta feed them the reason for rhyming, my seasoning and timing, my passion and line and his fashion, design and his style mixed with content. I'm constant. I bomb shit. You Adrian Adonis with narcissistic nonsense. Mm. That's verse one of Trom Diggs Mighty Healthy mm-hmm. 2010. That's 10 years old. Ooh, you know, I was just listening to that one the other day. Ah, I did drop it as a throwback. 
Oh, well, there you go. That's where I saw it. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. I dropped it as a throwback game, man. I I could rap at one time. <laughs> I think you're still rapping. Ah, we'll see. Yeah. To be determined. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, uh, great episode, man. Uh, Definitely. You know, we could, we could, you know, this, we're back in our... You know, <laughs> back in our happy place, our comfort zone, man. <laughs> cool, man. So another episode, Guests in the House podcast. I am Trom Diggs, a.k.a. David Shanks. And I'm Mickey Hess. Peace and love. See you next time. MCs want to mimic me with no delivery. The epitome of the business, the industry. Lyrically define me, divinity.